0: Good morning, church. Uh, Bible reading this morning will be taken from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 1, from verses 1 to 4, verses 25 to 26, chapter 9, from verses 1 to 8, and chapter 21, verse 7. At the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying, thanks be to God. 2 Samuel 2, from verses 1. After the death of Saul, David returned from striking down the Amalekites and stayed in Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from? David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked. Tell me. The men fled from the battle, he replied. Many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. How the mighty have fallen in battle! Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You are very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. Chapter 9, verse 1. David asked, is there, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Emiel, in Lodebar. So King David had him brought from Lodebar, from the house of Machir, son of Emiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? The king spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath between the Lord before the Lord between David and Jonathan, son of Saul. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, David. The fact that David is the one reading there—the irony of that is not lost on us. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, For those who are joining us for the first time, joining us here, or you're visiting, um, checking us out for the first time, we're so happy to have you here. My name is Femi Oshunui, and we've been doing a series um, about friendship. We called it, uh, Do You Have a Friend? And so this is the third part. This is the third of a three-part series, a three-part series, so this is the end. So if this is your first time, we're happy that you are here, but we'd love to uh, ask you to try and check out uh, the other ones on our podcast called The Gospel in Lagos. Now, before we go ahead to this third sermon, let us pray. Lord, we ask for the presence of your Spirit, who alone can make us um, true friends. We ask, Lord, that you would move here in our midst. We also ask, O oh God, that you would do things here. We pray, O oh God, for restored friendships. We pray, oh Lord God, that you make us the friends we want to be We pray also particularly that you do something, oh God, in this church by helping us strengthen the existing friendships and the ones that uh, are just being made. We pray that you take them deeper. And we pray that you establish new ones among us. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 All right, this is the latter service. This is the later one. I like calling the first service people the true ones, the elect, because they are the ones that wake up early. But I have a feeling that this is the smarter service. All right, So I want a hands up. I want to just ask this. The way I had to break it down for the guys in the first service, it was too, you know, and they still missed it. So let me ask you. Hands up if you are still close, notice what I said, still close, with a friend that you have been a friend with for at least at least 3 quarters of your life. Yeah. You see now 3 quarters, you can't just be raising up hand like that because you didn't calculate your age and 3 quarters, you don't know. Idiot. In other words, <laughs> you guys are falling my hand in this. Way. In other words, if you are if you are 24, if you are 24, you've wait, if you are 24, you've known them since you were 6. If you are 40, you've known them since you were 10. If you are 55 like Yemi, all right, doesn't work. Yemi, 60. Let's say that you are 60. If you are 60 like Yemi, you've known them since you were 15. All right. And you are still very close with them. All right, hands up if that's you. Let me see. OK. There's very, very few people. Exactly. I checked out mine. I don't have any. I don't have any. The person, no, I've not known you for how long? <laughs> Brainwave just came up. all right. I don't have any, and many of us still don't have any that we are that close to. What does that tell us? Well, it, sh- it reflects what many studies have been showing, that the older we get, the fewer our friends become. The older we get, the fewer our friends, the fewer friends we have. You know how it is now. You make friends. You swear that oh, we'll be friends for life. We'll do things together after a period of time. You know, we just find out that we start to fizzle out, and they were not really friends again. That's the pattern we all know. That's what has happened to you. Tight as many of these friends have been, the question we need to ask is, why don't friendships last? Is it simply, like we learned last week, down to lack of the required communication that keeps it going? Is it down to that, or is it more? And I think it's down to that partly, but it is more. And I can illustrate that with these two tweets, right? Just a small thread. Uh, just listen to what this guy writes here. Okay. These two tweets are coming up. And good. All right, so he first says just as I did last year, I wouldn't be posting on my birthday. Not going to remind anyone, but all the people I currently consider friends that forget will be out of my life before the next one. You see how he's getting rid of his own friends as he's going, right? He said it will be out of his whatever what, by the next one. Second one, he says, I'm not a bad friend. Now he's quoting what you, your excuse would be. I'm not a bad friend. I'm just bad with dates. He says, then use a scribbled calendar or remind." A reminder, if birthdays are important to your friend, you will find a way to remember. You just don't value that friend enough. Wow. Now, first of all, just as an aside, I can't be that guy's friend. Uh, because I'll break, like, I'll break all the rules. Like, and I'm not about to start crowding my calendar. I don't remember birthdays. But the guy makes a point that I don't want us to miss this. Especially that second tweet. What he's basically saying is that he's making a distinction between what you say and what you What you say and what you do. And the point he's making is that you cannot claim to be a true friend when there is a glaring inconsistency between your words and your actions. He's right. Friendship, like any human relationship, is rooted not just in words, but words and what? Actions. Where Where there are lots of words and no actions, you can't really think your friendship will last. We don't forget, from what we're reading, David and Jonathan's friendship lasted. And the reason it lasted is because of the acts of kindness that they exchanged between themselves. In previous sermons, we looked at a lot of Jonathan's actions towards David. This this, um, particular sermon, will see David's actions towards Jonathan. But what we will learn, really, is that for us to really sustain the friendship that God has given to us, the friendships that will make us thrive, those important friendships, it is going to be hinged, built upon the accumulation of loving actions that we make towards each other. Amen? Amen. So I'm hoping and I'm praying that at the end of this sermon, which really reflects the the end of the series, that God will equip us to play our own part in sustaining these friendships God has given to us. Amen? So now let's get into our sermon. So it's called, How to Make Friendships Last. All right, how to make friendships last. And we'll look at it under these three headings. Why they don't last, that's why friendships don't last. Why they don't last, how they can last, and why they should last. The first is not the third one. Why they don't last, how they can last, why they should last. All right, let's go. On now, starting with this, let's let's where, where are we in the story now? Last two times we looked at one Samuel. Now we are in two Samuel, but I want you to know how one Samuel ended. One Samuel ended with a particular battle between the Israelites and the Philistines in chapter thirty-one, and in verses one and two, uh, right? Uh, particular in verse two, we hear that what happened. Um, oh, it's not there. We hear that Saul lost his life, but also Jonathan lost his life. That's how it ended. So now in 2 Samuel, the next book, David is about to find out. What happens is that there's an Amalekite guy that runs to the camp of David. And just like many of us, when we know bad news is on the horizon, you know some of you that you're always scared that something you can't enjoy life because you always know that there's something bad that is lurking at the corner. So when somebody says, I want to talk to you, you say, Whoa, what happened? What happened? Just tell me. And so David is also like that. When the Amalekite said, I'm just coming from the camp, he said, what? Where? Okay. What, what happened there? Tell me. This is verse, uh, verses 3. Where have you come from? David asked. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked, tell me. And then he now goes on. The men fled from the battle. He replied, many of them fell and died. It's not like David didn't care about that. But you knew where he was going then he says, and Saul and his son Jonathan were dead. David was devastated because he'd lost his friend. And he, after that, what did he do? He wrote a lament, a song, a song of lament, and told them that the, the Israelites should learn it. And we see that in chapter 1 still. And one of the funny things that you see there is that in verse 24, he told them this song of lament was for Saul and Jonathan. In 24, he told the Israelites, daughters of Israel, he said, grieve for Saul, or weep for Saul. Saul, he clothed you in ornaments. But when it comes to Jonathan, he says, I, I weep, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother, verse 25. He was devastated by the loss of Jonathan because he was his friend. He was unhappy with the loss of Saul because the king of Israel had died but he was devastated by the loss of Jonathan because he was his friend. You see, their friendship ended because of the death of one of them. But for many of us, our friendships end because of something milder, but nonetheless keeps us sad. One of the things another study shows is that by the age of 25, our pool of friendship starts to reduce. It says that ladies, Make 17 and a half calls, 17 and a half, obviously not 17 and a half calls, an average of calls to 17 and a half people when they're 25, and guys 19, and all of a sudden it starts to shrink, starts to shrink. So if your parents are above 60 call you all the time, you can understand why. You understand? By that time, they only have five contacts that they call, and you are one of them. So you have to keep calling you over and over again. But why? It's because if you dig further, I want to give you five reasons why people's friendships don't last. I'm going to use this both in the first and second point. Five reasons why people's friendships don't last. One, people move, people uh, change, people freeze, people quarrel, and people unravel. People move, people change, people freeze, people quarrel, and people unravel. Let's see how quickly we can move to, uh, through them. People move. Now, if you remember, at the onset of their relationship, David and Jonathan are in the same place. They're in the palace. That's where they meet. They establish their friendship. But eventually, something happened. Saul wants to kill David. What does that mean? It means that David had to what? He had to move. He had to move. And now, many of us, we are not moving because we are running away. Right? Well, now I think about it. Actually, all those Canadian people, why are they running away? <laughs> okay. But we're, many of us, you know, it's something milder. I, l- let me test this. And for those who are online as well, I want you to raise your hand up if, um, if this is you. Now, if you fall into any of these three categories, any of these three, not all of these three, if you fall into any or one or more of them, any of them, hands up. One, you don't live, you live in a different part of Lagos from where you were, raised, you were born and raised. So, so now you are living in a different part of Lagos from where you were born and raised. Two, second category. You were raised, born and raised in Lagos, but you relocated for a while, for whatever reason, and then you returned. Second category. Third category, you were not born or raised in Lagos, but now you live here. You were not born or raised in Lagos, but now you live in Lagos. If you fall into any of these three categories, online or here, raise up your hand. That's virtually every single person here. And I'm not, I won't be surprised also at the people online. We well, you know what that tells us. Our world is a mobile world right now. We, don't, we, are, not stat, we are not static. We move whether it is for economic reasons or for other reasons, we are a very mobile people. And as a result of that, the friendships that we make in different places when we were located there It's very difficult for those friendships to last. Why? Because we're always moving. The places that we used to gather, the amount of time we used to spend together that made us close, we no longer have that. And so those friendships are unable to last. Friendships can't remain the same or last within the conditions of of human mobility. So don't feel bad about it. Second point, second reason, people what? Change. Abraham, the father of the Israelite nation, when God initially told him to move out um, from his father's, uh, where his ancestors were, he went with his cousin, Lot. Now, in Genesis 13, there comes a point where when they go, um, when they go, you know, they started. It wasn't bad, you know. Don't despise the days of humble beginnings. But as they grew, both of them, God was answering their prayers. Right? Baba, God, answer our prayer. So both of them now grew in possessions. Now, when they grew in possessions, what happened? Their are, are servants started to fight. And it says that eventually, the, their possessions were so great that is, they grew, that they were not able to stay together. So what happened? The two men parted company. They grew, and they parted. They grew, and they parted. They grew apart. Many times you ask people, what happened to you and this, your friend now? Well, you guys don't really talk as much. You say, we grew what? Apart. In other words, sometimes your interests change. Your values change. Maybe one of you, like happened to me when I was in uni, right? You're, you grow deeper into your faith, and your friend does not go deeper into that their, into their faith. Or for some of you, as you grow older, you get more passionate for business. And you move away from people that don't stimulate you. Or in your place of work, your career, you move away from people that don't stimulate you to be better. Interest change. People change. And as a result of that, many friendships don't last. Is this resonating with us? Third one, people freeze. I really like this. How many of us have heard of the name Malik Obama? Do you know who Malik Obama is? Okay, do you know who Obama is? Uh Obama is not the only Obama. I hope you know. (laughs) Malik Obama is Barack Obama's half-brother, same father. They met after their dad died in a a car crash. And they got connected. They started to like each other. In fact, they they were both each other's best men at their weddings. They became close, keeping in touch. He lives in Kenya. But now they're not really good friends. They don't really talk as much again. You know why? Malik says, ever since Barack became president, he changed. So in other words, he wasn't president before. But then he became president. I think that's changing, right? He says, so can you imagine what you're we saying about when he was president? He said, now he has to, when he was president, that now, can you imagine, he can't just call him? That he has to call, and then re- somebody else will answer the call. He said he can't just, he has to make appointment to see him. He only, happens to, he only happened to be the most powerful man in the whole world, right? Thinking about unimportant things like nuclear disarmament, climate change, you know, economics boost, uh, boom, uh, booms and uh, cycles, right, uh, booms and busts, you know, just trying to bail out the world economy. He was only thinking about stuff like that. I don't know why he should change. <laughs> you see, many times, sadly, a lot of friends don't recognize that 10 years after you became friends, you both aren't the same anymore. Some people who are married, and some people want their married friends to still keep chatting with them late into the night. Some want to be able to, in fact, let me just say this as it is. Let me just say this. Both of you, when you started, you were both praying to God, praying to God. You know, God is no respecter of persons. God answered their prayer, He didn't really answer your own. So now your friend is a mogul, right? He's a mogul. And then you just want to be able to drop into their house at any time unannounced, it doesn't matter. And many times, because somebody wanted the nature of the relationship to freeze, the friendship didn't end up lasting, because the other person got frustrated. The fourth one, things get worse, is people quarrel. Now, you know this one. Um, Paul and Barnabas, they were missionary companions. Paul was like the greatest, or at least most significant and important missionary in the Christian faith. Um, but Barnabas was the one that went to look for him and introduced him to, the, for, to Jesus' apostles in Jerusalem. And so at one point, they went and they were planting many churches. And so they wanted, they decided, let's go back and see how these churches are doing. Except they had a problem in Acts chapter 15, verse 37 39. They had a problem. What was the problem? John Mark. John Mark, I think, was related to Barnabas. John Mark had followed them on the missionary journeys. But at some point, there was a young guy. There were too many mosquitoes in all these places. And some of them had snakes. He kept on going, you know, the sea voyages, the waves. You know, I don't know some of you that like to go to Takwa Bay. Have you entered some of those, bo- those boats? Right? You, you know, you go on one, you'd be like, I'm not going again. John Mark went on a very, very topsy-turvy journey, and he said, I'm not going again. Paul was a wonderful theologian, but Paul knew how to hold a grudge. He never forgot. Forgive, they say, but don't forget. That was Paul's mantra. So at this point, Paul then says, Omar, that's it. He can't come. Barnabas said he has to come. He can't come. He can't. After he said the dispute, they entered such a sharp disagreement. What eventually happened? They parted company. Some of us, our friendships did not last because of one massive unresolved dispute, quarrel. You are thinking about it now. That friend that you still not resolved it. Forget who is at fault. Some of us, it's sort of resolved, but you know, after you guys fought, it's not the same as it used to be before. Just not the same. Final one is people unravel. Now, Jesus, the night before he was going to be, uh, he went to the cross, he tells his disciples that one of them is going to betray him. This is in John chapter 13, 26, 27, 30. Now, they don't know who that is going to be. He describes it, and eventually it turns out to be Judas, that he knows. And he tells Judas, he says, the thing that you are going to do do it quickly. And it says that Judas, Satan immediately at that point entered him and he went out and it was night. You know the funny thing about Judas' story? Is that many times Judas showed different glimpses of the, fact, of the kind of person he was. But the others did not know it. You see, when it comes to people quarreling, that is an offense. But with Judas, you have an offensive person. And many times, you don't immediately know. You just see signs. We see friends that we make and all of that is very good. You see signs of things they do, but you just sort of excuse it is incidental, is accidental, they didn't mean it, all of those things. But in time, Judas showed himself. He unraveled himself to being what? A traitor. And many times, what happens is that you have a friend, and in time, you see this person is toxic. There's consistency in their dubiousness. There's consistency in their jealousy. They're always complaining. So you say, ah, I've had enough. Maybe you're you in a one-sided relationship. You know what that is? Just you keep giving, 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 and you don't get anything in return. If you want to know how you are, if you want to test whether you're in a one sided relationship, maybe give a period of six to nine months. Don't communicate with the person. Don't try. Don't initiate. See whether they return. If they don't, you're in a one-sided relationship. And so time is critical because you then see the person unravels. And after a while, you just say, I'm not doing a game. Shabby Paul says, evil communication what? <laughs> I like that. You see, in NIV, it says that good, good uh, 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 bad, I don't even know how to say it. It's not, it's not very nice. A bad company corrupts good character. Evil communication Corrupts good manners. That's what your mom told you. Except you are the one. Except when you are the one that is the evil communicator. He <laughs> says, "Don't make friends with what a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one that is eagerly angered." Proverbs twenty-two, verse twenty-four. And so, at the end of the day, you have these five things that show us why friendships don't last. Some of it, nothing moral about it, but as you see, as we're getting down the things get worse. So the question becomes, how can they last? How can we make our friendships last like David and Jonathan's? That takes me to this second point. Now whenever you read this story, whenever I read this story, especially the one that we read, I'm particularly moved. Do you know what I'm moved by? The commitment. The commitment between them. Don't forget that it was initially, in 18, verse 3, it was initially Jonathan that made the covenant with David. And on account of that covenant, on account of his commitment to David, he told him twice, right? He spared his life, if you like, twice. He helped him uh, so that Saul won't kill him. And now it's the return. David made an oath with him in chapter 20. He made an oath with him, not just to him, chapter 20, verse 14, 15, but to his household. And what we then see in 2 Samuel chapter 9 and uh, chapter 21 is David repaying that. Based on the commitment of that oath, David says, I'll do these things to my, my friend Jonathan. In other words, what we need is commitment. The commitment drives the action that enables the friendships to last. Are we together? What did David do? Some of the things that David did, I'll give you four. First one is that he grieved. You know how sometimes somebody dies, they let you know they die, right? My parents would tell me about somebody in the family, you know, this person who, was, who lived in this compound, and some on, and so What do I say? Eh, hey, yeah. They go for the burial, I say, eh, hey, yeah, because weren't that, you know, weren't that connected? David grieved for Jonathan, one. Two, he now moves to Jonathan's household, Mephibosheth. What did he do with Mephibosheth? First thing was that he restored the fortunes of the estate of his grandfather to him. Saul's estate, he restored it to what? Made he didn't restore it to all of Saul's, Saul's children. There were still children that existed at the time. He restored it to his grandson because, as he says, for the sake of Jonathan. Third thing is that he granted him the honor of eating on his table. That wasn't just given. Imagine if you know, President Boyer allowed you to be having dinner with, with him and his family. <laughs> I just knew some examples should not be given. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, all right, Joe Biden, for instance, okay? Yeah, yeah. Or one of the sheikhs of, of the Emirates. You t- I'll take that one over Joe Biden, any day. Those guys know how to. All right, but it's an honor. That's the point. Whether you like the, the leader or not, it's an honor. David was given that honor with Saul. Now, David was doing the same thing for Mephibosheth. Why? Because he was Jonathan's son. He said for the sake of Jonathan. And then finally, this one is particularly moving. In chapter 21, you can read this from verse 1 to 6. There are these people called the Gibeonites, who Israel, they're not Israelites, they were descendants of Amorites, Israel had sworn not to kill them. They made a pledge not to kill them. But Saul, at one point, in unrestrained zeal, wanted to annihilate them. And so as a result of that, Israel were now experiencing a three-year famine. So David tried to find out why. He found out this was the reason. He went to meet them. What do you want? They said, give us seven male descendants of Saul. Mephibosheth was there. But on account of his oath to the household of Jonathan, not the household of Saul, to the household of Jonathan, he did what? He spared Mephibosheth. And then he gave seven others that he didn't really like. All right, And they killed them and exposed. Do you see... The commitment, the covenant, the oath that he had was what drove the loving actions. If you want to see loving, ac- if you want to see your friendships last, your commitment has to drive you to actions and reactions to enable that happen. Are we together? And so I said it's actions and reactions. So you know those five things that we listed that don't make them last? You need to react with loving reactions to them. How do you do that? Well, you have to accept, adopt, Adapt, reconcile, and hope. First one. For people moving, accept. Just accept it. Do you understand? It's, the, it's life. is life. See, my close friends, I had two in, when I was living in Manchester. What happened? In 2013, one of them, Francis, just said, guys, I'm leaving home. Why? Uh, he told us with two weeks to go. I'm leaving to Nigeria. Hey, no oh, wow. So just me and Bolaji, he got a good job that Francis. So he moved back to Nigeria. So me and Bolaji are now in the UK. 2015. I called Bolaji. I'm leaving. O. I'm going to plant church. Francis got an oil, oil, oil job. Me I God, I came to plant church. You can see how things work. All right. So I'm coming to plant church. All right, so now it's me and Francis. Bolaji is in the UK. 2015, everything is going well. Then 2019, Francis says, I'm going again. And where is he going? He's now going to the US. So all of a sudden, now, two three friends that are really close, at one point we live together. One is in UK, one is in US, one is languishing in Niger. You
0: say,
1: yeah, I understand. You know as Paul said? Paul said, if I have to go to Canada, it is gain for me. But if I have to stay in Lagos, it is good for you. <laughs> I think you said something like that in Philippians. Yeah, yeah. Deep. Deep, deep. You guys are seeing it. None of you come and meet me and say, I'm going to Canada. I'm here because of you. <laughs> All right. Accepting accepting this is life. Now, what does accepting mean? Accepting means that you don't think that your friendship is going to be the way it was before. You are not going to have the same number of calls. You can't keep meeting in the same way. David and Jonathan, despite the fact that they had to separate at a point because he had to move, they still were close. We saw that in chapter 20, they were in the palace, but in chapter 18, they were in the palace by 23. David is, is, in the, is in the wilderness, and so and Jonathan goes to meet him. So please, don't overpromise. Like a friend of mine, Dipo, one time, a friend of his was traveling, and that one was flying. He said, don't worry, Dipo, I'll call you. He said, what? Why? Did I tell you to call me? Did I, did I you? Don't say you'll call me. Don't say you'll call me, because you won't call me. That's the truth that's what happens people are trying to ask don't worry, I'll keep it told who is begging you <laughs> they, send, they call you the first two, three weeks, one month, then after and after later now when it's now eight, uh, eight months after I say, "Oh, I'm at work now you should understand don't overpromise but at the same time, make use of the time well, be intentional with your communication make use of the time. what do I mean when if you guys talk twice in a year when That person calls. Don't use the first 15 minutes to say, You you have not even called me since now. You have not called me. That's why you've just forgotten me. You just forgot. Somebody was doing, when I moved to UK, they were doing that to me, doing that to me. At one point, I say, It's true. I've forgotten you. And I'll forget you. I'm never going to call you again. Know that you are forgotten. Make the best use of the time. (laughs) Make the best use of the time. My friend Balaji and I, we see probably once a year. We spend maybe two days, three days, we use the morning to night talking about these significant things in our lives. We don't have time now to be talking about every single thing. Do you understand what I mean? Accept it. The second one is adopt. What do I mean by adopt? There's this uh, documentary on two friends uh, on Netflix, right? Two of them, the two documentaries. One is Joshua, the other one is Ryan. They were friends from childhood, sort of didn't connect for a while, but then eventually reconnected. What happened was that Ryan was going through a difficult part of his life. He just wasn't satisfied, wasn't happy, even though he was having career advancement. And then one day he saw Joshua, and he's like, man, this guy looks so happy. What's making him happy? So eventually I him, what's making you? what's going on? And I said, well, it's this thing that he, a philosophy he has actually adopted in his life. What is it? It's called minimalism. What does he do? He declutters things. He doesn't, if you go to his house, he doesn't, you know, some of your bedrooms and your drawers, some of you, your drawers, the thing is almost breaking from under. For clothes that you don't wear again. Right? And all the things that are inside your bedside drawer, all the pins and all the things, all those things that you think, ah, I may need it all. Oh. All those receipts that I may need. though. and here, yeah. minimalism is about getting rid of all of those. And not just the physical things, but many other things. And so he saw he was happy. And so, what? You know, I said, let me try this thing. He tried it. He gave it a try for a few days. It worked. He liked it. And he kept on doing it, and it transformed him. And Lo and behold, both of them are now evangelists for it. They have two Netflix documentaries. But here's what I want you to notice. They are close friends and continue to be close friends now. Why? Because Ryan adopted the changes in interest that Joshua made. If somebody is making changes in their life, your friend, don't immediately say "ah, bye-bye. Ask what it is. Examine it. And then compare with your life to see whether, ah, maybe this is something I should adopt. Now immediately, I say all of that. I want to say, also put a caveat, it's not everything you can take. Like if one of your friends is glowing and he say, what's happening? He say, ah, I do Hare Krishna meditations. No, just I'm not, don't adopt it. Do you understand me? Don't, don't, that's why I say, ask, then examine. Because if you go and adopt it, you say, uh, we, we, do, we always sit in a lotus position, and then some of us move around, and we make some chants. <laughs> The dreams that will chase you at night, it's only deliverance here that we'll be able to move. And if any of you say we don't do deliverance here, like they said in the first service, you're in trouble. But adopt. You may find that it may be healthy for you. And that may still keep your friendship. The third thing is, for people who freeze, adapt. Adapt. Some of you need to be fair to your friends and adapt. My wife and I counsel premarital folks and tell them, let your family and and friends know that things aren't the same again. Things aren't the same again. Listen, a lot of people who just get married, they first have to adapt to the fact that they are no longer single. They are now living with somebody. Their toilet is not their own. Their room is not their own. Their TV is not their own again. It now belongs to of us. So they are trying to adapt. Or maybe they didn't have children before. Now all of a sudden, you have to look after this person. Two of you cannot go somewhere alone, you're always thinking about that. They're adapting. If they are adapting in their own lives, how do you think your own friendship will not adapt? Adapt. Be willing, even if, they, even if you have to swallow your pride, they say, OK, you say you want to come. Can we book it? Don't start talking like Malik Obama. Be willing to accept appointment. Be willing to accept delayed return calls. So why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call me back on time? Ah, Cool down. And maybe sometimes they may even miss your call and they don't return. Let there be a benefit of the doubt. Are we together? Adapt. Fourth, you need to reconcile. For those who are quarreling. For those who are quarreling. What do I mean by reconcile? If you are the offended, or if you are the offender, you need to be able to acknowledge and repent. If you are the offended, you need to forgive. Listen to me. You don't need to forgive somebody. You don't need to. Somebody doesn't, someone doesn't need to repent before you forgive them. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what what they do. They weren't asking for repentance. You don't need to forgive somebody if they don't repent. But for you to reconcile, with someone, they need to repent. Do you understand? And so if you have had a quarrel and that person acknowledges and repents of what they do, what they did, then forgive them. It is love that covers over this thing. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. And if you are the person don't be too strong headed. Don't say, and hey, why are you complaining? Did you not do that one to me too? Humble yourself, acknowledge, repent. But you can also do things that will stop you from doing that. Sometimes you have a quarrel, both of you may not be able to settle it. All. Involve an umpire. What? Right? Involve what? An umpire. Get somebody else to come and settle. But be willing to reconcile. Because if you just allow the things to keep festering, it goes deeper and deeper. And then finally, for those who have gone to the point where things are someone has unraveled, I would say hope. Hope. Now, look, if people are too toxic, if people give you too much, you you have to cut them off. But you can say because you know I gave the example of Judah and Judas. uh, Jesus and Judas. (laughs) What happened to Judas? There's no hope for him, Abby. And say there's no hope for that person. But don't forget, on the same night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, what happened? Peter denied Jesus three times. And what happened eventually? When Jesus resurrected, he restored Peter. So hope. Now, I'm not saying naive hope. Here's what hope looks like. Even when you have to cut somebody off, one, don't be bitter. Because bitterness, holding bitterness towards someone is a sign and a manifestation of hopelessness. It means that you are never giving the person a chance. If the person tries to even say they're sorry, you always question everything. So at least it hopes. That's one. Uh, uh, for, uh, for, forgive. Don't be bitter. But second is this. Look out for the person. We're not talking about somebody that just says, I'm sorry. Remember, when a quarrel is just an offense, when it is when it's unraveling, it is an offensive person. Does the person humbly accept their deep flaws? Not the deep flawed action that they committed. Their deep flaws. Does the person accept it, and then have they gotten help for it? Are they getting help? And the converse is true. If you are the person that has been unraveling, have you accepted the fact that Everybody cannot be wrong about you. That this is a, an issue with you. Have you accepted that? If you do so, humbly go and meet your friend. Tell them, this is who I am. I agree in all that you said. And now I am getting help. And don't be in a hurry. In fact, you said all of that. It doesn't mean that they should accept you immediately. Are we together? So it's not just our words, guys. But it's our actions and reactions that come from the place of commitment, depending on what it is that hasn't made your friendship last. It is those things that will help us restore our relationships. Now, I should move quickly to my final point, why they should last. Now, some would say to me, this thing is ultimately pointless. It's very very Christian. You say, it's ultimately pointless. Let me explain why it's ultimately pointless. Remove the fact that I have tried with some of these people and this thing doesn't work. I want to use your own story to show you how it's pointless. What happened to David and Jonathan? What happened to Jonathan? When he died, what happened to their friendship? I'm talking between two of them, not between David and the household of Jonathan. What happened to their friendship? Ended. So now you are telling me to keep pursuing, risking myself, and the fact that I will not get, I won't be. I should keep showing love and may not get it reciprocated. All for the purpose of what? At the end of the day, even the best of friendships, they will end because one of us will die. What is the point of it? I am not saying that it may not help me a little bit in this life. I am saying, ultimately, because it's not going anywhere, none of these friendships will last forever. Ultimately, it is pointless, to which I will say, I agree with you that all friendships have an expiry date, but I don't agree that it's pointless. Why? It depends on this. Is your pursuit of friendship, or your pursuit of lasting friendship, is it because you are pursuing an eternal goal, or is it because you are reflecting an eternal picture? Your Pushing for this friendship, is it because you are pursuing an eternal goal or because you are reflecting an eternal picture? Pursuing an eternal goal is this. Are you trying to be friends with this person because you say, you know what, we are not just going to be friends for life. We are going to be friends for life and in death and all of those, maybe because you believe in reincarnation or something like that. If you believe that, if the reason why you are pursuing friendship is so that you can pursue this eternal goal of eternal friendship with that person, I agree with you, it's ultimately pointless because all friendships will end. But if your pursuing of lasting friendship is to reflect an eternal picture, ah, then it starts making sense. For instance, what I mean is that my wife and I, I don't love my wife. I don't do loving actions to my wife so that, she will lo- so that I will love her. I do the loving actions. Why? because I love her. My actions reflect my love for her. So now what Jesus says in John chapter 15 makes sense. Because you see, in John chapter 15, Jesus tells his disciples just like he tells us in this church. You know what he tells them? He says, I have a command for you. Love one another. Love each other. You see, Jesus, love, love each other for what reason? Like what? Does Jesus even have the right to ask, that, to ask that command of us? Why does he have the right to say to us, love each other? And then some of us will say, in what way? He says, love each other as I have loved you. To which you then say, here it is. That's the problem with all religions, isn't it? In all the religions, you always have your God or your gods telling you what to do. You people have the Bible. Muslims have the Quran, Hindus have the Vedas. All of you have gods that keep instructing people, instructing people, and the gods never do anything. The gods keep giving words, but the gods lack what? actions. Jesus says that love one another as I've loved you, but he keeps what? saying he loves you with words. What do the words, I love you, mean? What does it mean? Just like our original tweets, where the guy says, you can say that I love you, but I, can't, I have forgotten your birthdays. What do words, what do instructions mean without actions? When Jesus says, love one another, and he doesn't do anything to demonstrate that, what does it mean? Can I tell you that if that's what you think about Jesus, if that's what you think about this God, you are greatly mistaken. Because as we sang, he is the God who says and he is the God that does. The God who is able to back his instructions with what? Actions. When Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you, the next verse he tells you that he is not a God that just gives instructions. He is a God that gives instructions on account of the actions that he has made. He says, greater love has no man than this, than to do what? Lay down his life for his friend. What do you think Jesus was doing when he went to the cross for you and I? What do you think Jesus was doing when he said, he saw your eternal destiny. And he said, you are perishing, but I will go and die so that you will live. Jesus invites us into an eternal friendship because Jesus is saying, I am not just a God that tells you to love. I am a God that actually demonstrates my love for you. Don't you understand? When he tells us to pursue lasting friendships, when he tells us to love one another, it is because based on what he did on the cross, he has made an eternal friendship for us if you believe in jesus if you believe that jesus died in your place in john 14 verse 19 he not only says that i have died and then you will live, but we can be internal friendship because i live he said because i live, you what you also live i don't know if you've been in church all your life or you've never been in church before and maybe you're thinking about christianity is just to be a Christian is to do this thing and to do this thing and to do this thing. That's wrong. We don't do things to become Christians. We do things because we are Christians. We don't do things because we want to please God. Because God has already done something to please us, we now please him. We are not friends of God because we chose God, but we are friends of God because he chose us first. We are not living because we are, Pursued life. We are living because Jesus died for us and gave us his life. This is a God that gives back his instructions with his actions. And now he's saying, for those of you who are scared, for those of you who don't have the courage to repair that friendship, for those of you who are so who are so risk averse of showing people love, he said, I can tell you to love other people. Why? Because it was risky to die for you. And so now he says pursue those friendships not to pursue not to pursue them so that you can have this everlasting friendship pursue them to reflect the everlasting friendship that i have with you i'm praying that god does that among us I'm praying that God does it in your life. I know that there are some of you now thinking about what you need to do with that friend and this friend. I pray that the Spirit of God will not allow you to cower. I pray that the Spirit of God will give you the courage, the boldness to do it from the place of the gospel to pursue the restoration in that friendship. Whether it is someone that has unraveled, whether it is someone that has moved, whether it is somebody that has frozen, maybe you are the person in that place. May God grant you the grace of Jesus Christ